And I feel that as NFs, we have a deep ability to use our intuition to feel what is right because our intuition is often will all often give us clues that we're not you know aware of um, otherwise so i feel that with any approach what's the most important is less what's the science of course the science is absolutely essential right um so i'm not promoting you know go completely alternative with any health um, issues um, mm-hmm. but there's of course the science and there's also our own intuition and for me what worked because there was science couldn't help me basically um, I said well what does my intuition say and what can I um, what can I learn about this um, and what's really important is for us to try it for ourselves and see if it works if it does great if it doesn't then it doesn't so there's no prescription or being prescriptive like you should um try this or that so we really need to connect with ourselves and find out what we feel might work for us welcome to the inf club podcast my name is jazz hoti and this is the podcast for infps infjs and other highly sensitive introverts on the show you'll find the stories and perspectives of fellow infs and other special guests as well as my own personal experiences The hope is that these episodes will help you learn, reflect and move forward so that ultimately you live better and thrive. Whether you're here for the first time or you're a returning listener, thanks so much for being here and let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Jazz, your host and curator for INF Club and I'm delighted to welcome you to another episode. Now my guest today is Beatrice Zornick who I came across some months ago in a Facebook group for highly sensitive people that we were both in. The beauty of these podcast conversations is that they take place with INFs and other sensitive, intuitive people all around the world. It's exciting. It's a real joy for me to bring these conversations to you. And before we begin, here are a few words put together by Beatrice. Beatrice Sornick is a certified transformational coach She works with highly sensitive professional women who are outwardly successful, but deep down feel overwhelmed and uninspired in their work. She supports them to get clarity on the next step so they can fall in love with work and their life. If you're interested, Beatrice is an ENFJ personality type, and she also took part in a separate written interview that took place before we recorded this podcast conversation. And you can find that interview on the show notes for this episode over at infclub.net slash show notes. Now, lately it feels like holistic health has been a real theme in these episodes. Naomi Harrington in episode 31 talking about spiritual awakenings, Raya Elizabeth in episode 32 talking about the importance of getting into the body. And today Beatrice mentions um, her holistic health journey she goes into um, you know part of the journey that she's been on and this link between the, bi- the, the body, mind and the emotions. And you'll also hear Beatrice describe how she felt cut off at her head, disconnected from her body and her emotions. And this is something I could so resonate with. Um, the last couple of years have really seen me move away 
from my head and rational things and overthinking um, and really tuning in kind of more to body, bodily, emotional, spiritual realms. It's fascinating for me to listen back to these episodes um, as a listener, first of all, but also sometime after they took place. So, for example, with Raya Elizabeth's episode, it was just a few months on from us having that conversation. Um, I was bringing that to you. And so I listened back and I made the show notes and I actually gleaned new things from the conversation that we had had previously um, and from what Raya was saying. I think this is down to a couple of things. It can be down to, you know, just on just like you you might watch a film for a second time you'll you'll you potentially will get new things from um, the film second time round you'll notice little things other things will have an impact on you etc but i also think that's an indicator for me it feels like at least that there has been some growth and some change in that time um, not necessarily growth perhaps perhaps change um, and i found i could connect differently with what Raya was saying um, the second time round. Really, really interesting. So if you're listening to these episodes and not everything is resonating, that is completely okay. Um, for me, five years ago, I'm a different person then than I was now. Um, and so I'm trying to imagine myself then listening to these. And some of them would have been a bit, uh, a little bit, probably a little bit out there, um, a little bit not my not not uh not resonant with me not connecting with me at that moment in time that's okay um if that happens what you might actually find like i've experienced is that you connect with some of this stuff differently further down the line there is timing to all of this certainly been my experience as i say even listening back to episodes just a matter of weeks or months after recording them now, as always, a couple of pieces of housekeeping for you. A note for anyone uh, tuning in for the first time today that I'm not a doctor, a therapist, or any kind of licensed medical practitioner, just to make that clear. And neither are my guests, unless this is expressed otherwise. On this show, I'm merely sharing my own perspectives and insights and providing a place for others to do exactly the same as that, to share their story and their own perspectives what they have experienced. I'm pretty sure I've misspoken or otherwise made some mistakes in today's episode, so please do forgive me for those. And finally, if you've not yet subscribed to the podcast on whichever platform you're listening on, please do so. If you wouldn't mind, um, hopefully, if you're enjoying listening to the show, you'll have the convenience of um, getting those automatically into your feed, but it otherwise helps others INFPs, INFJs, you know, other highly, highly sensitive, intuitive folks find the show and just generally keep the good momentum going. I think that's about it for me. So with that being said, do take a moment to take a breath, to sit back, to relax. And I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Beatrice Zornick. Beatrice, it's so lovely to be speaking with you. Um, yeah, thanks just so much for doing this. Really, really nice to have you here. 
Hi, hi, Jazz. I'm I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm um, so inspired by your initiative and the way you're supporting um, INF. So um, it's really a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Yeah, and um, I mean, there was, there was so much in your written interview that I really enjoyed reading. So, so thank you for taking to taking part in that and also so yeah. so honestly and openly. Um, perhaps in... Uh, yeah, my true kind of INFP fashion. I'd love to go right in, if you like. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, actually, yeah, so the, the first thing that, that, that struck me is, I guess something with, which is, doesn't seem so uncommon, but I, I guess it's not that often talked about, or I don't, I don't find myself speaking about it so often. Um, so you, you describe yourself uh, as, an, as an extrovert, um, as an ENFJ, in fact. Yeah. Um, but you also mentioned that your extroversion has also kind of dropped from at one point you said it was about 90%. And is, is this a split you're talking about when you said it dropped from, because I know introversion and extroversion lie on a spectrum. So I was just, yeah, wondering about the percentages, but you said it's dropped from 90% um, to about 15%. Uh, so yeah, I was just curious as to um, if you've got any sense of why, why that's happened. Mm, that's a really good question because and I've asked myself the same question um, especially because I know that in principle the MBTI doesn't change however it can uh, we can mistype ourselves if we are um, under extreme stress or under you know the impact perhaps of trauma or something like that and I've asked myself the same um, question um, and I feel that the only answer I can give to this question um, was the fact that I used to get really uncomfortable to be with my thoughts. Mm. So whenever I spent time alone, I would become very uncomfortable. The thoughts that were coming up, especially when, during periods of stress, um, were quite dark and negative. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable with that. So I feel that I was um, become that I was so extroverted to sort of compensate, almost like running away from being with myself because that didn't feel comfortable. And you know, I was doing coaching and therapy at some point a few um, years back. Uh, but other than that, I didn't really feel safe to be with my own thoughts. And I feel that the the biggest reason why I'm so why I've become a lot, a lot more introverted is just because I've become more comfortable with my own company. Um, and now I can go on for days without, you know, seeing another soul or not necessarily speaking with so many people. So I'm still an extrovert, but um, I'm much more mindful about the, the balance of energy and also replenishing myself because I think I wasn't very aware of my own needs back then either. So I was quite prone to deplete myself and drain myself um, without realizing by overstimulating myself with too much interaction. Yeah, I, I've, I've always thought, um, especially if you're highly sensitive, um, highly sensitive extrovert, it can be, I guess, a bit of a, a bit of a balancing act because there's the, you know, jaw and the energy uh, that, you know, the healthy energy one can get from being an extrovert, being around people. But at the same time, of course, energy, boundaries and, and being highly sensitive, mm -hmm. it's almost uh, two opposing things, if you like, right? Yeah, um, hmm, that's a really good question. It's, it's making me think now. Um, 
I don't know. They 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 definitely work together rather than in opposition. I was going to say, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I prefer work, I prefer working together. I'm glad you said that rather than opposing. That's a nicer way to put mm. it, probably. Yeah. yeah, but it can certainly feel that way, especially when we're um, under stress. Uh, and stress really highlights those things, doesn't it? Uh, when we're under stress, it can feel that there's a lot of stimulation, but also we're extroverts and we need the social contact and they can appear to be in in conflict with each other. Um, so you're, you know, I feel both things are right. They, they work together, but they can also come in opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and as an extrovert, I have had to be extra careful to find out to fine-tune that balance within myself to make sure that I'm um, I'm okay. And for many years, I didn't like I didn't know I was an, a highly sensitive person until a couple of years ago. Um, and the more I started to learn about it, the more it started to make sense why I function in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you, you, meant, you mentioned um, again referring to your written interview, which we'll, which we'll be sharing alongside this interview that you uh, previously worked in HR uh, and actually you, you used Myers-Briggs and the indicator in your work in HR. Um, and I guess I'd love to hear more about, um, I guess, yeah, some of, um, some of your life from, from HR days, but, uh, and in particular, um, the, work, the work you were doing when it came to Myers-Briggs. I feel this is such an important tool, but a lot of the time, um, it can kind of be the tool that's used to kind of prescribe, okay, I'm this, but there's like a, okay, so now what? Um, yeah. but, and and, it, and it, I get the impression you were kind of using it in some, some really useful, tangible way. So I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Um, and what I was going to say about the MBTI is that I feel, I'm personally, I'm not certified. I'm not a certified MBTI practitioner. It's just mm-hmm. something that I have a passion for, um, and I've learned about just because I was so interested in it. Um, And it does receive a lot of criticism, as you probably know, um, Mm -hmm. because I feel that a lot of companies perhaps misunderstand how the tool is used and they use this to put people into boxes, like, right, you're an INFJ, therefore you should be this, you're you're better suited in in this role. So um, that's the criticism because you know, when companies use it in, in this wrong way. But the benefits it has, uh, in my personal experience and also working with other people, is in understanding ourselves, our yeah. preferences, how we interact with ourselves, but also with the world around us. Um, and in an organization, it can really help improve uh, communication and dynamics between people because obviously you have people in various teams various functions and also hi- hierarchy that it's very easy sometimes for there to be dynam- unhealthy dynamics or sometimes um, difficulties in organizations um, and actually I worked in a in a small organization that didn't have the you know uh, budget to invest in um, MBTI but um, it, it was really interesting actually we I think there were a couple of us who were, do, were talking about this test and then uh, actually not that test, the, the assessment um, and it just spread like wildfire and everyone in the company ended up doing uh, their MBTI and finding out their profile um, and then we started using this more in an informal way rather than a 
formal, you know, like certified MBTI way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was helping employees to understand themselves. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. INFJs, they're the most extroverted introvert. And it's very easy for INFJs because of their uh, extroverted feeling to be so focused on others that they end up depleting themselves. So understanding yourself in this way is um, so important and giving yourself that space to remember that you're an introvert um, and to not overstimulate yourself. Um, And then the same, you know, for example, uh, relationships between manager and report those situations can sometimes be difficult and they just couldn't understand each other uh, but they were both really good people really well intended mm-hmm. um, but they just weren't able to find that common ground so I feel it's really important with MBTI to find that thing you have in common or understand the way that you can communicate better yeah thank you I, I loved I loved the um, the INFJ example yeah the extroverted uh... Uh, it was is extroverted feeling yes yes yeah, a feeling isn't it yeah it's um and i do know um amongst infjs one of the challenges can be that they feel as a result quite far removed and in being able to identify their own feelings mm. um yeah yes yeah and the extroverted feeling is also um it's the thing that makes us, I say us because I have extroverted feeling as well, um, but INFJs as well, we are so focused on others, but also when it comes to identifying our own feelings, um, it, it comes less naturally to introspect about our own feelings, like we can introspect for ages about other things. Um, but when it comes to thinking about our own feelings, it's easier to talk them out with others. Um, whereas, for example, INFPs, they're more, they work out their feelings uh, within themselves. And of course, this is just about natural tendencies rather than you never speak to anyone about your feelings. Absolutely. And I was, I was actually reading um, uh, on, your, on your website, someone wrote you a lovely testimonial. Um, and amongst other things, it, it, it seemed that you'd helped to... Uh, work more with her feelings um which you know I, I i think and i'm sure you do as well really really important um and also you know in, in many ways but linking to that intuitive piece i think intuition and feeling are so closely linked um i, w- I want i guess i'm curious to ask you what are some of the ways in which you feel we can work better with our feelings i guess part of it is accessing them in the first place and then there's an, a, an element of expression as well but I, i'd love to hear you speak on that okay yeah i love i love talking about this and i could probably do it for hours so please just interrupt me when you want me to stop um, but just very very briefly um i'm just thinking of an example to really just bring this to life Mm-hmm. I feel that many of us uh, NF personalities, and I, I work mainly with INFJs and INFPs, so um, I can speak from that experience as well. We, when we grow up, we learn how we're meant to show up 
in this world. And feelings are not put on a very high pedestal. As a society, we're highly analytical, logical, action-driven um, society. And we're, you know, we, we learn to almost suppress that side of us. Um, and I feel that was certainly true for me in most of my life and most of my career. It almost felt like I was cut from the the head down. I was disconnected from my emotions and sometimes they just exploded in the form of crying or very intense feelings because I wasn't allowing them to come to the surface. Um, and there's actually uh, an, an article I wrote, um, there's the highly sensitive refuge, I hope it's okay to mention that, Absolutely. Um, where I talk specifically about this topic which is about the trinity of the mind, the heart, and the body, because they all work, they're, they're a system and they're in, in um, what's the word? They're linked together and they're not separate. So, mm -hmm. um, but we learn in society in general that it's just the head, you know, that, that's the part that's the most important. Um, and for me, for example, this has led to, you know, to autoimmune conditions and some really quite serious health problems and chronic fatigue because I was um, suppressing the emotional side and that started to manifest in my body because um, I wasn't listening to the emotion. So eventually that ended up showing up in physical symptoms to invite me to, um, to draw my attention to it. Um, I'm just trying to remember what your original question was to, to make sure um, I... Yeah, me, me too, But because I'm, I'm, I'm so captivated by what you're saying. Uh, it, it, was, it was about feelings and the and how we can, um, how we can access them and, and develop a better relationship with them. Mm. How we can access our feelings. <sighs> mm. That's such a good question. Our feelings are always there. It's yeah. not like we need to, you know, watch a film or someone to teach us how to access our feelings. Um, I feel that when we are born, we naturally have access to our feelings and to to everything. But then we learn to suppress things yeah. over time. So I feel that connecting with our feelings is so if the feelings are here and we are here and there are lots of layers of things we've learned in the meantime so the process of connecting with our feelings or accessing our feelings is about removing those layers one by one understanding what's holding us back from feeling our feelings or expressing them um in a safe way absolutely yeah it's it, um I think it's more of a question of learning to pay attention than pay attention to them and honor them again. Um, for, for me, almost without realizing, and I still, like I say, I'm still on this journey and, and developing, developing a better relationship um, with my feelings and expressing them in the moment. I almost just without realizing pushed them down. And before I knew it, I was, yeah, I guess a whole bunch of different reasons, learned to suppress, holding space for others, um, and kind of yeah. learning almost to wear this mask, which was never really me. Um, yeah, yeah, that's such a big one. And we grow up with so many um, 
you know, scripts that we learn, like, um, you know, you, you're, you're a man, you're not supposed to cry, you're not meant to be emotional, you're meant to, um, you know, have thicker skin and, and all those things. And all those things are exactly the layers that I'm talking about that are telling us it's not safe to feel, it's not mm -hmm. safe to express feelings. Um, so it's about just very safely and gently, almost like an onion, right? Removing, peeling back the layers until you get to that point. But of course, sometimes suppressing emotions can be a coping mechanism. And um, this is certainly true in many cases of trauma. And I'm not a trauma specialist, but um, suppressing emotions can be a coping mechanism in which case you do need a, a safe space to be able to to explore that and to peel back the layers mm. and to deal with whatever comes up yeah this is fascinating stuff and actually something you said a, a couple of minutes ago i found uh, really interesting um, you mentioned chronic fatigue and autoimmune diseases uh, and i can't help but 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 feel or think that there's a relationship um, there and uh yeah I, I i'd love to you to say to say whatever you wish to say because i can see you smiling and nodding your head as i've said that a, a relationship you said there's a relationship between autoimmune and all the stuff we're talking about feeling stress um nfs as a whole autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. i see there are overlaps with all of these things yeah and it's so interesting i was actually googling this earlier for a completely different reason um, because I'm part of a few communities of uh, highly sensitive people um, and obviously I'm, I'm usually the outlier because there aren't that many extroverts um, HSPs um, but certainly anecdotally I can I have seen a huge prevalence of autoimmune conditions uh, amongst um, HSPs but there isn't any statistical research that has been done on that um, I have actually found a small study um, on the, the page of someone who is who specializes in um, autoimmune and they took a number, I don't know what number of people um, who had an autoimmune condition and they gave, uh, they gave them Elaine Aaron's HSP scale and 97% of them tested as HSP. Of course, this was probably a small sample and not necessarily you know, statistically accurate, but I have noticed this. And um, actually my own autoimmune conditions, because they don't have treatment other than, you know, suppressing your immune system, which can be more damaging actually in the long term. Um, this was actually what has led me to try and understand, well, what, what's actually going on and what's the reason why, you know, my body is attacking itself. And this led me down, uh, you know, little step by step, down this path of starting to understand that there is a connection between our body, our mind and our emotions. Um, and understanding this has really supported me to, you know, to uncover, to peel back the layers, to connect back with my emotions, to understand how my body and my emotions are, you know, constantly working together. Um, and this has really helped me to, um, relief a lot of the um, autoimmune pain and its progression without any medicine 
but of course this is you know this is my own experience and i don't have a, a treatment it's about following you know it's a more holistic approach and following um, authors like uh, gabor mate for example who um, specializes in in this kind of like mind body and autoimmune and so on this is really important and so interesting and um yeah, I, I actually, uh, as I actually share it as like a caveat that goes out with everything I write or anything I kind of say, I'm not a medical professional. And again, I'm aware of the science that is out there and there's a real need for the science. Uh, I can't, yeah, but I can't help but feel uh, these holistic approaches are always inevitably quite difficult to measure. Uh, and yet there is, there is value. And so I always also say, uh, you know, I'm not a medical professional. There might not be research mm -hmm. there. However, this is my feeling. Um, and, and as someone who, um, yeah, uh, would you, would you mind? Um, I'm sure there's a, there's a bunch of different things, but, but as best you can, what, what has helped you? Do you feel, and again, I know sometimes with autoimmune, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, some of this stuff actually runs in my family on both sides of my family. And so I know that I understand, well, my understanding is there's a genetic element. However, I'm also, um, and again, you, you might know more about the science here. I'm, I'm sure there's, a, there's an environmental element as well, right? Nature, nurture, kind of mixed. Um, in, Environment-wise, um, which is, I guess, more within our control, if that's the word to use in managing it, like what has, can you speak to what has helped you kind of with, with, with managing it? Um, and you mentioned the, 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 that mind-body stuff is just fascinating. Mm. Yeah, and what I was going to add to precisely what you said, we're not we're not doctors, and right. um, neither of us specializes in the mind body connection. So, um, you know, what I can share is just my personal journey and experience. Yeah. Um, and I feel that as NFs, we have a deep ability to use our intuition to feel what is right because our intuition is often will all often give us clues that we're not you know aware of um otherwise so i feel that with any approach what's the most important is less what's the science of course the science is absolutely essential right um so i'm not promoting you know go completely alternative with any health um issues um, but there's of course the science and there's also our own intuition and for me what worked because there was science couldn't help me basically um, I said well what does my intuition say and what can I um, what can I learn about this um, and what's really important is for us to try it for ourselves and see if it works if it does great if it doesn't then it doesn't so there's no prescription or being prescriptive like you should um try this or that so we really need to connect with ourselves and find out what we feel might work for us um and what has helped me with my autoimmune um i feel it's a it's a mix of things um it's definitely been coaching because i connected the emotional and the body connection um, and dealing through my emotions, dealing with my emotions has helped me to see how, when my emotions fluctuate, 
how this impacts my body. So then I know how I need to manage my emotions so that I minimize flare-ups or, you know, and sometimes healing periods, um, when, when you've healed certain powerful emotions, um, flare-ups can come up, but that, that can just be part of the healing process. And that's just what I've noticed in my own experience and what some, um, you know, some holistic uh, practitioners suggest as well. So I would recommend um, Gabor Mate um, and also Dr. Sarno, 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 I don't know how it's pronounced, uh, but these are two resources that can then lead you to other things if this is something that people are interested in. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll share those, we'll share those links. And also the study, well, I know it's not a scientific study per se, but the 97% one you mentioned with the, uh, that sounds, if, we, if there is a link for that, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dig that out as well. That sounds so interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just making a note of that. Yeah, so, so, something you said there gave, gave me kind of mini mini goosebumps, and it was when you said um, you were talking about as we go on our journey of healing, growth. I almost think they're two sides of the same coin, one of the same. You've got the science, so lean into the science. You've got the intuition. Now, I think that every human being has an intuition, but there's something about NFs and our intuition where that feels like such an important piece. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just think to be guided by intuition and um, I, I, th I think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of us, uh, INS, NFs, really resonate with this whole holistic view and enjoying exploring things from different realms because um, we can really quite quickly know and feel uh, the benefits or, or, or lack of, uh, or sometimes the opposite, if you like, of, of, and, you know, figure out for ourselves what is working. Yeah, totally, totally, absolutely. And, you know, two years ago when I had my really traumatic health issues, I wouldn't have considered a holistic approach. You know, I certainly wouldn't have rejected it, downright mm -hmm. rejected it, but I would always count on, you know, going to my GP and going to the hospital and give me some drugs. Um, that was my approach. So I feel it's really, that's why I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be prescriptive that this is what people should try, but find out what resonates for you. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but it's gone. God, that's okay. <laughs> if, it, if, if, it, if it comes back and it feels appropriate, feel free to, feel free to throw it in there. Uh, this brings me on to, uh, something you wrote, which I have to read out because I read that and I was, it really struck a chord and it was so beautifully articulated. I'm just going to read it out. So you wrote, I care about things that only an NF would understand like healing trauma and restoring balance to individuals and humanity. And I just love that. And um, I, I knew that I'd, I'd have to ask, uh, do you have like a sense of why why trauma, why healing, why this stuff seems to be such a theme amongst NFs? Uh, that was that was my first question. When you say a theme, is it our own trauma or trauma in general? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. Um, perhaps a little bit of both. I've um, my my own take on it again this is my personal take 
uh, is that trauma is in uh, a lot of places that we might not traditionally associate with being trauma. So I, I remember I, this probably the beginning of my, I guess my mental health journey when I uh, also started, which I always think it's a great place to start with, with kind of science, traditional therapy, right? Group therapy, individual therapy. And I uh, um, was like, oh, okay, trauma is uh, post-traumatic stress. If someone has experienced something quite powerful and, and, and you know, it, uh, it's a more obvious form of trauma. That is what trauma is. Um, and then I've come across things in recent years, like books like The Body Keeps the Score, um, where actually I think trauma can be a lot more subtle um, and a lot less obvious. Um, so I think it's both. I guess the existence of trauma in the first place. Mm. But um, I just seem to notice amongst the NF community, and I guess for me, more INFs that I come across, but I've also been in... Um, some of the groups you mentioned, I think we actually, I think I actually first came across you in one of the, 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 the highly sensitive groups on Facebook. These are things which are, are spoken about all the time. Um, and yeah, it's not, it's not to say that no one else experiences trauma. Of course, that's ridiculous. But for, for us, for whatever reason, that seems to be a thing which we notice and which seems to form a part of the healing journey. Mm. Um, and yeah, curious to hear if you've experienced the same. It kind of feels like you have, and and, and whether you've got any thoughts on, on on that as such, or or maybe not. Maybe it's just something that we we name. Mm, yeah, and um, I'm you know as you know I'm I'm not a, again I'm speaking from my own experience and also from working with people. Uh, but not as a trauma specialist. So I can answer this question. I don't know if there is any research or science um, or statistics around uh, this, but I do, from my experience and working with people, I do feel that actually the prevalence of trauma is much wider than we realize. Because when you, especially when you work in coaching with people, as you dig through the layers, as I was saying, you start to get to uh, deeper places where people start to discover things that they go, oh, I didn't know that was there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I do feel, while of course I'm not generalizing, um, but I do feel that trauma is much more widespread than we realize, but we find me either methods to suppress or numb that we're not even aware that there is any trauma. So uh, it's, such an interesting question for you to say why is it why do you think it's so prevalent amongst um nfs and intuitively i'm answering this completely intuitively i feel that we are more connected to emotions in general yeah. that we are i feel that perhaps rather than that we're more likely to experience trauma it's probably that we're more likely to be very aware of trauma right yeah mm -hmm. i feel that you've hit the nail on the head there yeah yeah that, i think that sounds like it, make, it then... sounds like it makes sense this makes sense to me the awareness mm -hmm. of it mm. yeah and many people you know go through years of therapy or counseling or even coaching you know in coaching it's it does um happen that um 
trauma eventually emerges and you know the person then can continue that work in a deeper way to to deal with the trauma that they weren't previously aware of mm. and again again from my own i'm not an expert from my own understanding i think it kind of stores itself to and can reveal at, at underneath the layers as you kind of uh, you know i'm just trying to think just i guess to give an example um and some of it in, in line with what you were saying earlier i worked in sales in the city constantly on highly sensitive always other people's stuff other stuff other people's stuff uh, i started having thoughts and emotions come up when i left that job to study a master's i only had a couple of days of lectures every three weeks so i remember i just used to be on my own in the house or at the gym and you know walks in the park and just stuff started coming up and it was quite um yeah quite uh a little bit overwhelming initially actually um but now looking back and you know i was lucky to get the support that i did um looking back i think it was just things naturally bubbled up um and i i, I also do feel and this is a personal feeling there's something about timing on any kind of journey of health and, and there's maybe things that will you know come up in the future this and that but um and an example of that is uh my mum suggested and almost tried, tried to encourage therapy a few years ago just wasn't ready for it i was not not interested um but i do feel that yeah we uh it's still our choice but we kind of there, there, there's something about readiness i don't know if you would I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, you know, when it comes to this, these therapy coaching, this kind of uh, healing, healing stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And we, you know, we go through different stages and like I was saying, I know this is different, but I was saying two years ago, I wasn't open to alternative medicine because why, why would you be open to a holistic approach when there were drugs to fix everything up to the point when the drugs couldn't fix the situation. And then you're like faced with a choice between, well, do I just give up or what is it that I can learn about this? Cause I have nothing to lose. Um, and I feel that getting to this point when you actually have nothing to lose can can sometimes translate into a breakthrough when you realize, oh, hold on, you know, and actually just to pick on something else you said about um, how you quit your job and things started to bubble up. And I feel that this is uh, from conversations I've been having with people as well during this COVID time where we're slowing down and we're experiencing a whole range of emotions and you know this is true for covid because we're experiencing it on a massive scale but it's true for you know our own lives at uh, different stages in our lives that uh, a change in our routine can really have an impact because you know if i go back to what i was saying earlier that i was cut from the head down you know you're almost working on autopilot you go to work you get on the bus you get to your computer, finish your work, get home, eat, sleep. So it's a very uh, routine, almost automatic behavior. So when you have time to slow down and stop, then a lot of things can um, and do bubble up. And um, you're absolutely right about readiness. And you have to meet people where they are and not push them to um, accept 
something that they're not ready because two years ago I wasn't ready to accept anything holistic and and that's fine as well mm, absolutely well, thank you um and yeah I guess in that same quote you talked about restoring balance uh healing trauma and restoring balance to individuals and humanity uh, and I want to yeah just kind of uh put some attention on restoring balance and kind of what you feel that looks like to you um, and how you feel that balance can be restored. And again, maybe that's different for everyone. So if you want to speak to your own personal experience, you know, that'd be lovely. Yeah, that's a, a really big question uh, <laughs> because it's something I'm so passionate about. But just to try to <clears throat> summarize it more concisely, um, <clears throat> I, I really love in my work to uh, work with parts whatever those parts might be. So um, balance can be balance, for example, we were talking earlier between mind, emotions, and body. Mm -hmm. Or it can be balance, you know, I'm sure you've had this situation, you've experienced this situation where you say, I'm feeling... I don't know, someone was saying to me, I'm feeling overwhelmed during this COVID time. And, but I know I shouldn't because I don't have it, you know, I have it quite good. And why, why would I like, I'm trying to focus on that. And so there's basically a conflict between two parts. One is feeling something and the other one is, uh, and they're almost like um, um, coming into in conflict with each other. And there are many other ways to like, there's the, um, transactional analysis model, the parent, adult, child, which are basically parts of our um, internal mind or how we function uh, or ego states um, as they're called. So I feel that balance is in whatever way resonates for us. Um, working with the parts that form the whole and exploring where the imbalance might be um, or for example an overexpressed you know we were talking earlier about the society being very logical analytical which is a very more masculine um yeah. in the in the yin and yang not in the like gender um understood yeah yeah, yeah so finding balance with the you know the, the feminine side so yeah, balance can, can look in different ways. And I feel that it's really important to uncover what's preventing us from having balance uh, because that will give us the clues to what it is that we need to do to restore the balance. Does that, does that make sense? It does make sense. It feels like a lot ties into that word. And um, that word is almost happiness and freedom and life itself, which is probably why it feels so important, right? Yeah, and especially for um, um, introverted NFs, and especially, even more especially for those who are also highly sensitive, um, there is, like you were saying, you were talking earlier about the spectrum. Oh, I think it was about um, extraversion, introversion. I versus E, yeah. Yeah, there is a, a spectrum, and our strengths, like, for example, our intuition enables us to think very deeply about things that perhaps other people don't think about. But the, the other end of the spectrum is 
overthinking, mm -hmm. um, which can lead to overwhelm, you know, procrastination, and then we beat ourselves up. Why am I procrastinating? Why am I not doing more with my life? Or I should be more productive and all those things. So it's about how do you find you know the also the balance between the the two so you can be more consistently in your strengths and not fall into your the the shadow side mm. yeah just on that something that's come up for me immediately is even i guess doing my own thing the, the models i see out there were anything from just someone who was just this intense gotta do 20 hours a day type entrepreneur even even that aside that the lens with which i was receiving it was i just need to work really hard that's the only way to do it and i'm probably going to fail and all this and uh yeah and no, i just wanted to share that because that's something that came up i was like wow there's um whereas it's i've had to figure out for myself and another example on that is i've been part of some amazing communities um, of which I feel the most amazing point is a lot like-mindedness when you surround yourselves with people the, what happens um, and it's kind of one of the things I talk about in the INF club as well why I was drawn to put together a community however there came a time when a couple of those I had to take a step away temporarily permanently some of them some of them I've not got back to some of them I've, I've gone back to and come out because I was feeling like I was being overwhelmed and my intuition was getting in the way. The information overload uh, was not healthy for me and it was almost removing me from myself. And I had to kind of remove myself from that. Uh, again, people, it might be online communities, but still I was feeling all the information and the energy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I feel that's such an important point. And um, I realized that actually my answer to your question about balance wasn't very specific, but this is precisely why the answer wasn't very specific because there isn't one size fits all. And for me, what's really important is the individual, you know, um, understanding how what's really important is not following um, someone else's prescription of and having built my own business. I've seen all the people who promise you various things, but I feel that what's really important is for us to discover what's true for us, what's individually true and authentic for us, and then develop whatever that thing is, whatever that balance looks like for the individual mm -hmm. and not in a you know, one size fits all. Yeah, and kind of taking from what's out there. And I get constantly get sucked into it. I, I think we all do it, but I'm speaking for myself here. I think we put people on a pedestal and it's like, oh, this is like my, and I've not, I have to keep reminding myself that I am me, I'm, I'm unique. And there is no one magic person who has set up their life in a way that'll perfectly work for me. It's just not. Um, so it's really, yeah, been a case of kind of listening to my own intuition and guidance, uh, you know, along the way. And sometimes listening to our own advice because just because yeah, we've our own advice, you know, right. learned things and we've had breakthroughs doesn't mean, oh, no, I'm perfect. I'm never right. going to make the same mistake again. You're still going to make mistakes, but it's just about how quickly you recognize it and how far you go down that rabbit hole once it does happen. Um, and the more you, you work on this, the more you're like, 
oh, hold on, that's the rabbit hole. I'm not going to go down there um, again because I know where that leads to. There so. you go. And it, come, it just comes with experience, I think, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. That, that, a part of it. Um, moving on slightly, you've got this self-care list that I love. Oh, my goodness. Because I, I do a lot of things for self-care myself, which is why I really liked it. But um, I loved how many things you've got on that list. Uh, this is really important because self-care is we were talking about balance earlier I think if you can talk about any some of the enablers of balance self-care would be a big one I think for me self-care is one of the most important things probably my top three important things in life is my self-care and I know that word and that phrase means different things for different people Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I was was wondering if you could talk a little bit about self-care and I know there's so many items on that list and they're probably all important in different ways um, do you have two or three that are particularly, if, yeah. you, if, you, if you had to choose, and I know you don't, it's lovely, you've, you've got so many, which I love, and I'm sure you've put them in over time. Um, yeah, mm. self-care, what, what, is it, what does it look like for you, and what are the important things that, that you do yourself? Yeah, yeah you're right, there, there is, it is a long list, but I feel that the key things, I feel that what's really important when it comes to self-care is to, um, Think about it in a deeper way because often we just think, oh, I'll just put some, you know, nice scents in my bath and I'll have a bath. And that can certainly help. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not knocking it. Um, but it's just about what would be the deeper thing that will really support me to give myself self-care. Um, and for me, those, the top two things would be coaching. Um, of course, you know, because I'm so passionate about the, the coaching and transformation I've gone through in coaching, that's how I ended up becoming a coach in the first place. Um, so that has been the, the biggest self-care I've ever offered myself. <clears throat> um, and the second one would be meditation. Um, and I know meditation, you know, some people, I think everyone sort of knows what the benefits are, but some people just aren't ready, you know, going back to readiness, like you were saying, uh, but that has definitely helped me to slow down my thoughts and to be able to start to, uh, notice and observe my thoughts rather than get, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Um, so I notice them much quicker and then I can make a decision on how to handle it, like whether I'm following that train of thought or um, disengaging and detaching. So mm. those, those would be my top two self-care tips. Thank you. Do, do you practice meditation currently? Is it like in your, is it a weekly practice for you? Yeah. Um, it's a, Actually, I would recommend a book, you know, for people who perhaps might have resonated with my own journey. A book that has made a massive difference to me is called The Presence Process, which has taught me in a way how to meditate, which sounds funny because, you know, you you just sit and meditate. But actually, um, the minute you sit down and try to quiet the mind, there is so much stuff coming up. This is boring. This is painful. This is this doesn't work. I'm still having a lot of thoughts and, you know, so on, which defeats the purpose of meditation. Um, And that book has really helped me to um, learn to breathe properly. And also it's helped me to deal with the feelings that started to surface um, in the process of meditating. So, um, yeah, it's called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. 
thank you yeah and no, I, I might have to check that out myself yeah i know with meditation also there's a real um uh application segment of it to like going about your daily life which can sometimes be missed right as opposed to you know just doing it there in the moment and to really bring it as like a practice to your daily life in terms of how you're operating and you know being more mindful and you know what have you um yeah no sounds like an interesting work um i'm conscious of the time and i know this has flown by as i kind of knew that it would um but uh I, i'm I, 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 I wouldn't want to let you go and not talk about uh your own coaching work which i guess we've kind of been bringing in a little bit of but um I, yeah I, I just wanted to and you kind of let us in on on i guess the journey and the reason you know you were you found it so powerful yourself and you became a coach what, what does your practice look like i know there's different there are so many different coaches and so many different types of coaching um so yeah i just yeah i would love to know love to hear about you know how your practice works and who you who you work with as well yeah thank you um i the type of coaching like there are various types of coaching just like there are various types of therapy so the coaching i do is transformational and it's precisely you know if you imagine an iceberg the surfaces are behavior and what we and others can see but then all that stuff happens because there's there's other stuff underneath the surface that's um, generating the, the thing that is visible on the surface. So transformational coaching really works under the surface, not at a developmental or trauma level, but underneath the surface with those layers to uncover uh, what's holding us back from you know, achieving goals, whatever they may be. And right. because of my my own experience and my own journey in my career, you know, being a very driven and ambitious uh, professional and progressing in my career, but ending up in a very very miserable place with high stress, um, overwhelm, and you know the chronic fatigue and the autoimmune and all of that. It was like almost like life sent me a lot of adversity to tell me I need to I needed to change course and as I was going through that journey I started to become a lot more receptive and noticing that actually I wasn't alone in my struggle and there are so many other uh, people who are experiencing this um, dissonance, dissonance between what they feel deep down and what they're doing and it's almost like jobs are like a pre-made box that we try to squeeze into to fit into what those job requirements are so i'm really passionate about um, supporting people to really connect with what's true for them for the individual um, so that and you know the, the people i work with um, tend to be nfs and highly sensitive people because like i was saying we are so driven by making a meaningful difference in the world um, and i feel that our this kind of attitude and you know uh, internal drive is so important um, but we often have all these layers that are holding us back from fulfilling our true passion and making that meaningful impact so I want to make a meaningful impact by helping others to make a, a meaningful impact sounds awesome yeah I, I see uh, amongst kind of the INF community a real high need to um live true to our values and uh, not only derive meaning from the work we do, 
but to let our work fit into our overarching life and lifestyle. Um, yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Sounds really important. Where, um, where, where can folks go to find you, Beatrice, if they'd like to find out more about you or, or perhaps might be interested in, in, in your coaching work? I guess the first port would be my website. Um, and I'm sure you'll add a, a link. So it's BeatriceZornek.com, my name. Um, I also offer a free ebook, which is called Seven Tools to Coach Your Inner Critic. Um, I feel that this is particularly true for us um, uh, intuitive feelers that we we tend to be more prone to self-criticism and being quite harsh with ourselves and being our own worst enemy um, in a way. So I, I wrote that ebook and that hopefully it's um, um, a useful free resource that people can in your community can access. Fantastic. And I just want to say, um, I've been reading some of your, your blog posts. Um, you've got some really awesome stuff on there. So I'd really encourage folks, um, if nothing else, uh, to jump on and, and, and read uh, some of those posts because they're yeah they're awesome uh, I've really enjoyed reading them thank you um, and yeah lastly I just thank you once again for coming on I've really enjoyed this conversation uh, never quite know where they're going to go even though I, I know we do do a little bit of prep work you know with the written questions but um, yeah I found this really nourishing really energizing so thank you yeah wonderful you've asked some really thought-provoking questions so I really enjoy that thank you so much and I hope people find this useful I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode and have taken away something from it. I wanted to mention again the blog, newsletter and membership community that I run for INFPs, INFJs and other highly sensitive introverts over at INF Club. You'll find lots of content to help you learn, reflect and take action and I also send out a free weekly newsletter to subscribers. So if you're enjoying the podcast and want to find more resources that will help you along on your journey just head over to www.infclub.net. To find show notes for this episode and for other episodes, visit www.infclub.net forward slash show notes. I've been Jazz Hoti. I still am Jazz Hoti, as far as I know. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again here very soon. Bye for now.